0: Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today, we're talking about the entrepreneurial journey for women and other topics related to digital marketing, PR, and marketing consulting. To help us, we have with us Amy Anderson, co-founder of Wild Coffee Marketing, a marketing veteran with experience at Calvin Klein and the New York Times Digital. Amy, thank you so much for taking the time and welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Chad.
0: So we always like to ask a random question at the beginning just for the audience to get to know you a little bit better as a person. And I have a tendency to want to know. I'm very curious about something you may be passionate about that those that only know you through work might be surprised to learn about you.
1: Well... First, I have to say Premier League Soccer. I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that (laughs) my Saturday
0: conversation. Yeah, (laughs)
1: absolutely. And yes, I hope everyone watches Ted Lasso. It's great. Um, But I really Saturday and Sunday mornings. It's such a beautiful game to watch with my children. I love it with respect to business. You know, I recently started mentoring two groups of students on entrepreneurship, and um, I never really considered myself an entrepreneur until the last few years. And now I'm working with university and high school students to really teach them about the mindset and sort of what the journey entails and getting them excited and i think the world benefits from more of us out there so that's been super rewarding
0: that's amazing and so when when the prep materials for uh, for this interview came over it started to focus on you know entrepreneurial journey for women and i, I would, it seems kind of like this is going to sound like a dumb question but i am really curious to understand how that became such a passion For you, you just said you didn't consider yourself an entrepreneur for the last couple until the last couple of years. So just curious how that all played together and and what it's been like.
1: Sure. Well, you know, a lot of women become entrepreneurs out of necessity, right? Sometimes our careers experience a little bit of a break. Some of us when we're raising children or we may be out of the workforce and we have a choice when we rejoin the workforce? Are we going to go in a salaried sort of work position, in my case as a CMO, having 20 years behind me, or am I going to start to go into entrepreneurship? And a lot of us are making that choice. You know, There are 13 million businesses in the US owned by women, employing 9 million people. And I think you know we're the fastest growing segment of business owners, and I think that our journey is, is a little bit different. In the past, we haven't had the same access to capital, a lot of us have child rearing responsibilities coupled with starting these businesses. So um, it's something that I think is sort of unique and new in my life in the last three and a half years. And I'm really intent on sort of mentoring other women and, and helping them get started too, because it's been one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. So.
0: Well, and you mentioned something I want to jump into there a little bit, you know, the difference between being a CMO and doing it yourself, right? There's a, there's a, A big support system that comes in. Well, ideally a support system from a company, if you're a CMO, all of the things are there. And then the entrepreneurial side, that's a, that's a heavy lift for a lot of people to get it off the ground.
1: Absolutely. But you know what I I thought about? I said, you know, I, I would like to make an impact in more than one company. And if I go and do this on my own, I can sort of have a a variety of companies I work with. And then I thought I just would have a little bit more ownership of my own time. Right. So you and I talked about when you starting a company, it's such a heavy lift that that's yep. sort of a misnomer, the flexibility aspect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so hey, I don't think I, I didn't know what I didn't know when first starting, um, but I, I just felt that I was in more control of my life and my business and my family and that it was really important for me to try to do this.
0: And so when you think about the challenges that you've overcome, kind of how would you lay those out in terms of what you had to overcome or, or realize in order to be successful at the entrepreneurial journey?
1: Well, I think a lot of entrepreneurs maybe identify a cultural gap, a product gap and, and start their journey. With me, it was, it was really exciting to Take what I had learned for so long and sort of it's almost in a consulting role, sort of mentoring CEOs and mentoring companies on on ways that they can really start to build their own business. What I had to do was sort of find that balance and the confidence, right? A lot of times women in business, we've, you know, Sheryl Sandberg wrote Lean In for a reason. It's about taking your seat at the table. And in many areas of our lives, we're often encouraged to sort of be smaller or small or sort of fit into roles. In this role as an entrepreneur, you have to be big and you have to be bold. And if you're not selling All the time, then you don't have a business, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's amazing how quick the money disappears. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Oh, this is the operational structure that I chose here, which more is going out than coming in, right? You know, but you, and that's, you know, what a lot of people don't understand you can be a fantastic in your subject matter area. But you have to be selling your service or selling your product all the time and yourself. And that was really new for me and something that was very eye opening that I didn't realize was going to be such a big part of it. But it's also something that I've become quite good at.
0: And so when you think about, you know, the challenges that you've overcome and and the journey that you've taken, how has that shaped your philosophies on client engagement or management with some of the people that you work with?
1: Well, I think it takes a lot of sort of wide-eyed looking around you all the time. And entrepreneurship (laughs) is problem solving, right? At its core. So when you're consistently engaged in solving problems, whether it's The right employees to hire, how to price your services or your products, distribution strategies, operational plans. It's just constant problem solving. I think that that really, that skill set helps us translate when we're doing outsourced CMO services to be able to go into different companies and businesses and look at their challenges. And we've really sort of honed that skill set in ourselves. And we bring that to market and to our clients really easily. So, entrepreneurship's a mindset. And when you're in that problem-solving mode all the time, I think it makes you really good at it. Um, it also helps you manage your team better, I think. You know, when we're looking at what the unique needs are of our employees, what challenges they face in their roles every day, again, problem-solving helps us bring that to the table and be really nimble in trying to meet their needs.
0: Well, and, and that's interesting because you mentioned you know, when we were talking before we hit record about you know, dispersed teams and everybody's probably experiencing this to some extent with the pandemic and everything going on, but how do you feel like your approach to leadership, especially with the dispersed teams? I'll get it. Eventually uh, dispersed teams has changed since you have really embraced the entrepreneurial aspect. Are there things you do differently now that maybe when you were working for other organizations didn't cross your mind as a leader or other insights that you may have?
1: Well, I think you take it for granted that everybody's okay before right? (laughs) I mean, it's really taken us down to the basics in a lot of ways. You know, I look around every Friday, we have our team meeting, we have 17 to 18 people in that meeting every week. And I, I really have to look hard at them to look, you know, what are the, what can I see in their facial expressions? What are they not saying, you know, and really be intentional about how we approach people on a daily basis, just to get them through the basics right now. One of our earliest and longest tenured employees, you know, COVID happened and she was in a daycare crisis. And, you know, so we took her to part time, developed a flexible, flexible schedule for her. She ended up going on maternity leave. We took care of her during that time and then encouraged her to take a quarter to come back slowly so she would be okay. So I think you just have to be really intentional and look at what your team is not saying and really sort of make sure they're taken care of from a basic level. And then from there, we're building on career path and succession plans and growth and training and fulfillment. But our culture is really important to us, and it's based on kindness and awareness of what your teammates are really going through right now.
0: And I think that's a beautiful point. Right? I think a lot of companies that had never had to think about or really dive into how are my employees truly doing, right? How is that? Am I mindful of their true situation as a human being? That was very rarely part of the conversation. I mean, I can think back when I was you know, running sales and marketing teams, we would be concerned about it if somebody were having a baby or they had something happen in their family, but it wasn't a blanket. Hey, we really need to think about the mental health and well-being of our employees until the pandemic it's kind of created this shared experience let's say and i think forced a lot of companies to look at the humanity of their of their practices some are adjusting better than others. Right, <laughs> and I'm right. curious how you're seeing that play out maybe in your own company or, or with your clients even.
1: Well, um, you know, it, it humanized all of us, right? You know, we talked earlier about the cat walking across the keyboard. I mean, yeah. it's it's this is life and, and this is work, you know, is a huge part of that. But to really understand the wellness and mental health, I mean, that conversation, right, in sports right now is very much in the forefront Why should anyone be any different? These athletes are bringing that conversation once again to the forefront. I find them trailblazers on many levels, right? So I just think that just down to the basics and every single person to understand what their basic needs are, it's not just to get the best out of them as employees, As a business owner, it's to create a culture and an environment where people can work to their fullest potential. And let's make sure right on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, your first couple levels are taken care of.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's kind of transition back to kind of the the topic of the day, the discipline itself of marketing. And I'm curious with the new need for people to be more humane in their business practices and, and think about their employees, but also the humanity of their clients, businesses evolving, changing. Responding rapidly based on current situations. And I'm curious when you work with your clients, what are some of the mistakes you're trying to help them avoid in kind of this new landscape that's so interchangeable between humanity and business?
1: Well, one of the things, you know, when people are trying to look at cost structures, they look at sort of the gig economy and they say, wait, I may not have an in-house marketing team, but I can piece together all of these people and create a cohesive strategy to grow my company. And we see a lot of times that there are teams that really don't understand how to manage disparate teams and different freelancers, and it ends up being sort of a disjointed strategy that lacks cohesion. And so in the effort to sort of save costs and go to various places, they end up sort of losing that. I do think that under starting from a strategy that's um, really geared towards your business goals and then implementing, right? People just want to dive in and start marketing and try all these platforms and and all of these different services. You really need to start from a strong foundation that is tied to your business objectives and then you can move forward from there.
0: And when you you think about, you know, okay, we've got this kind of level set. This is what we're looking at from a, a reality situation right now nobody knows what's going to happen in the next 18 months. I mean, the last, nobody saw the last 18 months coming, so right. nobody knows what's coming in the next 18. How do you help them prepare or approach a mindset that they have to apply to their marketing and their business that's going to keep them responsive or agile to respond to whatever happens, you know, in the next 18 or, or 36 months?
1: Well, that's such a good question. Remember the days of annual planning?
0: I remember five year planning. That may make me old, but I remember (laughs) five year planning.
1: Absolutely. Uh, We have to really think in terms of, you know, six month increments, quarters, months. And because we have access to so much data now, it's the whole process is so iterative right? So we'll look at shorter time periods, say, these are the five strategies we're deploying. Here are the KPIs that we're measuring ourselves against. Here are the multivariates that we're using as part of these campaigns. And then let's look at the data and be ready to pivot quickly. And, you know, we don't want to pivot too quickly, right? You do need to give some time for some some of the campaigns and some of the work we're doing to settle. But I think that the mindset is much shorter term, and much more macro focused, right, to what's happening in the environment and be ready to change. We have one client that has just rolled up 90 men's formal wear stores under one brand, and we're rolling that out. Imagining that happening right before COVID with everything shutting down. Wow. Right. So talk about, <laughs> it's a- go ahead.
0: Oh, it's a lot of change. That's I mean, a it's lot a lot It's a lot of change. You have to look at things completely differently than we did before. And I think, honestly, the, the whole pandemic's kind of pushed everybody to be a little bit more creative and a little bit more accepting of things that maybe they wouldn't have been so accepting of in the past.
1: Sure. Well, there's a lack of predictability, right? You know, even in certain markets and digital, you know, we're not sure how COVID has really, you know, and the environment has impacted pricing results, you know, what's happening. So I think that CEOs are a little bit more open to, you know, testing, moving quickly, trying new things. And we are moving in a very rapid pace right now, trying to keep up with everything and, you know, looking forward to 2022, right? It's, we're going into fourth quarter. What does next year look like? So, so much we don't know.
0: Yeah, the unknown is just now part and parcel of of what we have to accept as we kind of move forward. I think there were those of us, I think on the entrepreneurial side, and I can speak from my own experience, that unknown was a big change because the unknown was 30 days out, 60 days out, 90 days out. When you're trying to start a business, you're being entrepreneurial your horizon is is much closer. Yes. And then you get into some of the organizations I used to work for, and we'd look at you know six months out, nine months out, 12 months out, which still was probably folly at that point, but that's what we were doing. And I think that getting comfortable with unpredictability and change has just become necessary for the DNA of any any company to exist, but especially in the entrepreneurial environment. Or Or do you think there's a different way to look at that?
1: No, I think we're sort of made for it in the entrepreneurial environment, right? I mean, so much of it is is sort of moving quickly, thinking on your toes, solving problems, identifying needs. And, and I think we're sort of made for this. And I think a lot of us have thrived. And I think that shows in the numbers of people, you know, starting new businesses and being in this environment. It's not the easiest, most predictable time, but maybe there's never been a better time.
0: <laughs> you know? Amen to that. <laughs> so, Tell us about uh, Wild Coffee Marketing and and your journey to arrive there. How'd you you end up there? And tell us what you guys are focused on.
1: Sure. So when I started my journey here, I had been out of the workforce, as I mentioned, for a couple of years and had to decide really where I was going to take my career. And I knew that I loved this discipline so much. And I ended up joining forces with somebody I worked with who hired me at my last position. And we've been business partners for the last four years. He and I had mostly been on client side, right? So VPs, CMOs at big companies, and we really thought that there was a need in the market for smaller businesses to have strategy work done and have an outsourced CMO because we believe everyone needs one, but you don't necessarily need it all the time right? So you may be doing 20 million, 30 million in revenue and have a solo marketing team and a person or running sort of that function in the company, but you really need to get that strategy done. So we started Wild coffee as an outsourced CMO and marketing company so that we're doing that strategy. And then once we have alignment with our client, our team can actually implement. So we are like CMOs running our own agency, if that makes sense to you.
0: Oh, yeah. I love it. And so I have to ask, because naming is such an important part of any enterprise, Wild Coffee? How did we come (laughs) up with that? (laughs)
1: Believe it or not, it's actually, I was in Miami, living in Miami at the time when I started the company, and Wild Coffee... Is a native plant that grew outside my window while I was writing my business plan. And it's this really vibrant, hearty, white beaned plant that I used to have to chop back with machetes because it grew <laughs> so freely. And I said, what a great name for a company that it's got it's energized and really great to look at and has like a very strong growth trajectory. And that's what we ended up naming it. And you're always looking for that stopping power, right? Descriptive brand names. Remember like 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, describing what your company does, like global <laughs> advisors, you know, is sort of yeah. a thing of the past. So...
0: I love it. I love it. All right. So let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two standard questions towards the end of each interview. The first is simply as co-founder and former CMO or current CMO that's outsourced, you are no doubt a target slash prospect for people out there trying to sell things. And I'm always curious when they don't have a trusted referral in, what works for you when somebody's trying to capture your attention and earn the right to time on your calendar?
1: Mm, That is people who have done their homework a little bit. And at least know a little bit about my business and what my potential need is and present it in a very straightforward way, right? We were talking about a little bit about transparency and, and when, when you can identify a potential need of my business and a potential problem that I may face on a regular business, because you really understand what we do, that will catch my attention for sure.
0: Love it. All right. So last question, we call it our acceleration insight. If there's one thing, just one piece of advice. You could tell sales marketing or professional services people that if they listen to that's the caveat you believe would help them hit their targets and or exceed them, what would it be and why?
1: We have been talking a lot about this on the team lately, and it's really about transparency and authenticity. You and I have talked a little bit today just sort of about COVID and peeling back the onion and things being real. You know, when things are high gloss and really sort of high production sales and marketing, I don't know that people trust that like they used to. I think when you really start to dig in with a pure and honest approach about, hey, this is what my company offers. We think you may have this need and be very straightforward about that. We are seeing really good results for our clients using some artificial intelligence, helping them find prospects that make sense for them, and then hitting them with a message that's just really honest about the potential need that they may have and how we can solve it.
0: I think authenticity and transparency. So um, full disclosure, I'll be 100% authentic for our audience here. When I first heard that word, I was an executive for a digital agency at the time, and it just kind of hit me wrong because the way it was being used, is like, oh, be authentic. Which, as a type A personality, I thought, what the hell does that really mean? <laughs> However, <laughs> the transition to entrepreneurial life and really the shared experience through, uh, that we've all had through uh, the pandemic, understanding that to be respectfully authentic and consistently transparent are things that, if embraced, allow everyone to connect in a much more human and valuable and meaningful way uh, and get rid of some of that polish. I think I'm with you 100%. I think the overproduction and overpolish just doesn't ring true anymore. Everybody's got tattered edges now as a result and we just all need to accept that.
1: Right, because selling sometimes has a negative connotation. You know better than anyone, you know, that I don't want to be sold. I want to have as a business person, my needs met. And I'll, yep. I'll share with you what they are and can you meet those needs? And it's sort of stripped away all of that sort of gloss. And let, let's just be real about what the needs of our business and what you're selling and, and how you can meet them.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. All right. So Amy, if somebody's interested in talking to you more about the topics we've touched on today, where would you like us to send them?
1: Oh, wildcoffeemarketing.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn under Amy Anderson at Wild Coffee.
0: I love it. All right. Thank you, Amy, so much for taking time. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right, everybody that does it for this episode, you know the drill, b2brevexec.com, share with friends, family, and coworkers. Let your kids listen to it instead of spending so much time in front of screens. Until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience,